All right. Well, how are we doing, everybody? All right. Well, it's good to have you. I'm so glad that all of you are watching online and here at church. It is so awesome to be with the family of God. We are in a series in, uh, called Joy Unshackled, and we're on our penultimate message. SAT word. That means the second to last one. All right, so uh, I'm so gla- grateful that you get to be here with us. And my name is Chris Plugginpole, if you didn't know that. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I love questions. So if you have any questions, text us, and we will respond uh, either by blog, social media, some way we'll get an answer out, and so look for that. So like I said, we're in the penultimate message uh, for Joy Unshackled, where we've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And he wrote it uh, under house arrest, which is kind of fun because a lot of us are in house arrest. And so uh, only, the only difference was he was um, chained to a big hairy guy of the Roman Empire. And so that was probably not exactly uh, your situation, but it may feel like it, and depending on where you live. All right. And so what I was wanting us to kind of get into is that the reality that the joy that he was shackled to was Jesus and not his circumstance. And he was running to a church uh, that had issues, a lot of division, a lot of different opinions about the way things should be, and arguments were breaking out, and he was trying to remind them of the joy that they had in Jesus and the joy that he was living out. And so that's where uh, we're going to go, is he's going to really help um, a couple uh, of people really stay connected in uh, their relationship. Now, uh, last week was uh, Father's Day. Did, uh, what did you guys do? Any online people, can you just write in if you did anything awesome for the dads out there? Okay, like, it's really weird to say that and then I like, have no response. But for, uh, for people who are here, did you guys do anything great for the dads? Yeah. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> yay. And so uh, I did. I went to uh, my uh, uh, father-in-law's house and uh, his parents were there and they brought chocolate pie, which... It was like uh, grandma's special recipe chocolate pie. And so they did a good job of counting the number of people that were there before they sliced it out. And you had to bring two pies because there was a bunch of people there. Uh, and uh, it was really exciting. And so um, I noticed that when the children started eating the pie, like Austin had his piece of pie, and I knew he had it because it was like on his forehead and his mouth. And then, uh, then I was like, oh no, I'm going to miss out on my piece of the pie. I literally thought I better get my piece of the pie. That was the actual thought that crossed my mind. And I made it over to the pie and I noticed there were like three slices left. And before anybody else had any ideas, I made sure I got mine. And it made me just like sort of think about like that is sort of, I had a little bit of anxiety. I was like, uh-oh, somebody else is going to get one before I get mine. Like I really literally thought that. Now, thankfully, there are smarter people than me and less selfish that actually counted out the number of people so everyone got one slice, but I was like, what if somebody takes two? And so I feel like that is probably why we lose our peace is because there's a lot of us that are worried about our piece of the pie as opposed to the peace of God, okay? And so I wanted to get into uh, that this morning, and um, this should be, we seek this is, like, this is like a spell check moment. We seek our piece of the pie over God's peace in three areas primarily. And um, you're going to agree with me because you cannot go outside these three areas, I promise. And if you can, please text me. One is our relationships. We want to make sure that in a relationship that nobody gets an advantage, that everything is 
fair. And if it goes unfair, it has to go unfair a little bit towards me because I'm important and I've been through so much, right? We kind of always make sure that in our relationship, especially in your house, that I need to make sure that it's fair for me, okay? And then second, we seek our peace of the pile over God's peace in our circumstances. So take the job situation. Like, take the, take the promotion you're looking at. Everybody's sort of like, once I get my peace, then I'll have some peace. And then finally, in our thinking, our heads are all full of neurotic stuff, all right? I know you people, all right? And so what happens is when we sort of get in our head, it takes us down the crazy train, and we're thinking all sorts of stuff, and we get in arguments in our head with someone who hasn't, isn't even in the room, and all of a sudden we're ready to lay into them because our thoughts of them are very, very negative. I know nobody in here would be like that. I know we're like far above, way more spiritual. I know our online people are way more spiritual. I'm talking about the other people who do that. Uh, and th- so you're there to counsel them. But what happens at least for me is there's this thing in my head where I start to go down this dark path and I can get all wrapped around in my thoughts and my feelings. And so uh, my joy can get ripped out. My peace can be gone because my peace of the pie says, I got to make sure that I, because I know how everybody else is thinking in my own thoughts. Okay, so we're going to get into Philippians chapter 4. So if you uh, have your trusty Bible, can you pull that out? And we're going to ask God to bless the reading of his word, and we're going to ask him to just give us a hope uh, from the scripture. God, thank you that you are in the midst of relationship everywhere we go. God, you're in charge of all circumstances. And God, you can even get inside our heads because you can read our minds. And you know what we're thinking, you know what we're wanting to do, and you know what's best for us. And I pray that we would be a people that would hear from you. So God, as we open up your word, would you um, help me proclaim the goodness of you, Father, please. And would you hide me behind the cross and would I be on the other side of the screen listening, hearing from you as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, here we go. This is uh, uh, Philippians 4 and sorry, verse 2. I entreat Yodia and Syntyche. All right, those those are fun words to uh, pronounce. Uh, Two ladies' names all right, so it's two ladies. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So there was an argument that was, okay, remember, this is for an entire church. Paul's writing a letter from prison. He's only got four chapters to write it in because, well, you know, it's a letter and who's going to read a longer one? Anyway, he's writing this letter and he takes up really all of chapter four to settle a dispute between ladies. This is a big deal. Because um, how many of you sort of have looked at Paul in the past and thought he was draconian, male, chauvinist pig? Anybody thought that online? You were like, listen, uh, Jesus, I love Paul. He don't like women. No, listen, look at, he is taking this letter and he is talking about encouraging these incredible women. And listen, this isn't like, tell those two women to shut up and sit in the back and stop talking. No, he's not saying that. This is Paul going, I entreat Yodi, I entreat Syntyche. To agree in the Lord, yes, I ask you, true companion. And uh, many think that's like uh, the leader of the church, Zuges. Help these women 
who have labored side by side with me, not behind me, with me, side by side, co-laboring with me, in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I love this. Um, I love that he said he really refers to these guys. We're all we're all in the book of life. We are all in God's book. Isn't that exciting? We're we're in the book of life. So why are we arguing if we're in the same book? If God has our names written in heaven, that means He has loved us equally. Why are you guys arguing? It's time to agree in the Lord. And and let's talk about that. Let's let's, let's talk about why arguments happen. All right. And I want to kind. I'm going to do this fun juxtaposition between the peace of God and my peace of the pie. Look at this. All right, listen, the peace of God, you agree in the Lord. When you're looking for your piece of the pie, I won't be ignored. You are going to hear me out, and I'm going to get my way because it's not fair, and you are so wrong is usually where we go. So let's just talk about agreeing in the Lord. Did you know that there's, especially among Christians, let's just talk among Christians for a second. And when you have an issue with somebody, isn't it usually because you're not thinking about the gazillion things you already agree on. Like, you can get fired up about masks or no masks, and then all of a sudden, uh, you've forgotten all of the incredible amount of things that you are agreeing in the Lord on. Like, we were both dead in sin. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, is seated uh, at on high, it is in control of the whole wide world. And what can happen, listen, listen, and I'm, I'm going to say in houses and homes, what happens is we can take um, loving people who we have all this agreement on, and then we find that one thing that we think their point of view is off, and so then we flat character them. You know what I mean by flat character? In literature, um, a round character is one that is sometimes good and sometimes bad and sometimes does the right thing and sometimes does the wrong thing. That's a round character, and they kind of have a holistic perspective. A flat character is like pretty much all bad all the time. So like the emperor from Star Wars, right? Like all bad all the time. There is no, but no part of him that is good, okay? <clears throat> and so what happens is when we flat character somebody, what we're saying is this person is so bad and their viewpoint is so wrong, not even Jesus can help them. And what you're saying then, what, here's what you're saying. That person is so wrong, and I'm not even going to try because clearly they're not going to change. They're not going to see my point of view, and I can't coexist with that person. That's why you eventually cut off relationship, and there's no way that God can do that. I found, you, you, you need to kind of get on the news and let everyone know, I found somebody. That's actually happened. Can I just tell this one story? This is funny. Adrian has this theory, my wife, because she's here. She has this theory that you cannot get sunburned after 4 p.m. Like, it's, like, it's fact. So, she, like, we have kids, and they, we have two... Uh, redhead ginger boys, and uh, they do not wear sunscreen after 4 p.m. And, uh, and so Adrian w- proclaims this truth, and then uh, James Meyer, who is in Africa, uh, this is a great moment. He goes, it's a miracle! He, call, he called us and left this long voicemail. Adrian, it's a miracle! Somehow, in here in Africa, somebody got burned. They were out in the sun working, they got burned after 4 p.m. It was me! It must be an act of God because we all know it's impossible for anybody to get sunburned after 4 p.m. And, uh, and the reason I tell it to you is I think there's this part of us that we look at people as like such, there's no way 
that you can be fixed. And we put God in this little box. And God, I know you're in control of the whole world. Accept this person. And accept this situation. And so we kind of make our whole relationship revolve around what they are and what they can. We say stuff like, we put like, um, you might use always or never, but what you probably do is you say, as I have done, like actually this week, I said, you're so disrespectful. And then the, I, what I've said, I've taken away, I've judged my wife by her actions and myself by my intentions. Don't we do that? And so then when we make statements like you're disrespectful, you don't care. Now, all of a sudden, they have to go on the defense, and then they're going to give you a list of things of why they care and why they do, you know, they've been doing everything right the whole time, and what happens, that creates a bigger polarization and divide when you put somebody on defense, whereas what we need to say is, I feel disrespected. I feel uncared for. I, I feel like my needs aren't getting met, and all of a sudden, it becomes a different conversation, doesn't it? It becomes a conversation, oh, let me help you. Oh, let me, let me fix that, as opposed to, Hey, whoa, 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 it's not my fault. Isn't this true? We're more worried about it not being our fault than we are about having a relationship. We're more worried about our opinion being right and you understanding how right I am than agreeing in the Lord. And this is where uh, Paul is just with these two ladies. Like, ladies, I love you. You guys are such a force when you work together. Don't break up the band over this issue. Okay, here we go. Verse 4. He then transitions <clears throat> from this argument uh, between these two ladies, and he's going to kind of take it to all circumstances, because it's not just these two ladies. It's like this, this is applicable for this issue with these two ladies, but it's applicable to all of us in any circumstance. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Be calm. When you're crazy, everyone looks at you and go getting a little loud, getting a little awkward. Let your reasonless be known to everyone. And then here's the reason, and I love this. The Lord is at hand. And um, this means two things. One, it's, it's kind of like an already but not yet. Already, the Lord is with us. He is physically present here. He is in this place. And it's not just because two or three are gathered. It's because He is with you. He indwells. Holy Spirit indwells you if you're a follower of God. You guys know that, right? It's not you don't need two or three to make sure God's there. No, He is there if you, have, if you are a follower of Christ. He indwells you. He is there. He is here. Then also, the Lord is at hand. Listen, He's coming. He's coming. It's not yet here yet, but it, He's on the move. He's coming, and listen, get ready. And so there's this reality that I, I understand his physical presence, and I'm awaiting for him to make the world right. And until then, I should reflect the Lord being at hand for a world who has no clue and who lives like this is all there is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Now, hold on, hold on. Somebody, you're like, okay, yeah, don't be anxious about anything. No, no, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so, so here's, here's this. The peace of God is the result of a prayer or prayer. And my piece of the pie is this. Just make a repair. Just do something. 
It's this reality where we live in this anxiety-driven world, and when the anxiousness overcomes, I need to do something. And we kind of put prayer out there as like the last resort. Listen, after you've gone all the doctors, then you might as well check out the church because, well, you need, you're living on a prayer, right? Like we, we would use that language. Throw out the Hail Mary when you have no other choice. And what I'm telling you is we need to put prayer first. Because I think a lot of us, listen to me, we are preoccupied with the hypothetical coming true. We are preoccupied with a hypothetical situation that may never happen based on facts that you don't know, really fully know are facts. They're just an opinion that you've sort of taken and you've made it your own. No, 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 listen to me. And so we live in this constant state of like, my body's saying something, it's the worst case scenario. The job, is, like I have, there's some uncertainty, the job, I'm going worst case scenario. I have friction with my spouse, worst case scenario. My kids, they're not eating their vegetables, worst case scenario. We do it. And then we react in that sort of manner and it becomes extreme and we forget the Lord is at hand. Some of you are so preoccupied with getting fired or being single or never having children or getting a root canal that we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. We think, if I just had that thing, then I'd finally be satisfied. And there's this part of it where the Lord would, would, not be, would sort of be cruel if he gave you the thing that you've made your God. So, so watch, 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 watch. That's why, the, that's why when we're looking at this, I, I love this, this line. It's, what, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and, uh, with, with, uh, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. All right? So we bring our request, let our request be made known to God. So here it is. Uh, I remember the greatest anxiety I ever felt. Like, you know the kind that you got the pit of your stomach's on fire, you're, you're, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't do anything. It was... When I was about to go do, um, it was an army school called Ranger School, and I was, I was like three or f- like a couple months out from going. Like, so it wasn't like it was happening the next day. It was something I was just so overwhelmed with angst over. And I remember uh, I was like, okay, okay, how can I make this go away? And I remember going into my closet, because the Bible says go into your closet you know, Jesus said, go into your closet and pray. So I, I'm like in among, my face amongst pants and coats. And I'm like, just, I closed the, clo- it was really awkward. I'm glad you weren't there. But anyway, so I'm, I'm praying and it felt like I was there for an hour. And I'm just like, God, I can't do it. And all my insecurities just kind of, what if I don't make it? And I'm never going to be a f- success. And I, all my life I've wanted to sort of do this. And now what if I can't do it? And I'm so afraid of failing. And I don't, you you don't care. You know, every sort of prayer is just, just kind of came out of me. I love this. I love the, the, the passive voice here. Let your requests be made known. Your requests are already there. It's not like you need to think of them. And after about an hour or so, the acid somehow just calmed, and I felt the peace of God. Probably my second most anxious time was the night before I, I went to war. Before I went to the actual, I was in Kuwait, and we were going into Iraq the next day, and I felt that unbelievable anxiety. And then the peace of God was like, if I die, I meet Jesus, and if I don't, I write a book about it. And God will be glorified either way. Do you see that? 
When you're filled with anxiety, there, there's really the answer is going to be a win-win either way. If you win, God gets the glory. Uh, if, in other words, if you die, you get to be with Jesus. God's glorified in that, and you are, you're no more pain, no more tears. If the thing, uh, if you survive, if you make it, then tell the story of how God's faithfulness saw you through. I was, I was trying to figure out how to best way, because I feel like this is the part of um, Christianity that separates people. And here's what I mean by that. Your, the ability for you to overcome your circumstances, I think, is here. Because I think a lot of us have read the self-help books as like, you got to happen to life before life happens to you. You know, like that sort of mentality, like they just do a wordplay on words and semantics and doesn't actually mean anything, but you're, you know, it sounds good in the moment. But what I want us to do is actually be intentional with our life and have an appointment with God. Do you guys, and I know that people in general are flaky, but, uh, but when it comes to appointments with people, don't you usually keep those? You don't just go like, nah, don't worry about it. Like you've made an appointment and you're going to be regular with it. And this is where with God, if we could treat God as important as a business appointment, that's like your most important client. Imagine if your most important client and you realize client. I don't know if it's a good word, but you put God into that sort of category. You're not going to miss that meeting. And then all of a sudden you have, a, you have that time with the Lord and it's that important and you bring the request that you already have and he wants you to bring them up and you bring them to the Lord. What I do, this is just my daily routine, is I take the, you know, when you email prayer, prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com, I print those out uh, after they're uploaded either Sunday or Monday. Depends on when Jessica gets to it, so thanks, Jessica. Uh, whenever that happens, I update it every week, and then I take that uh, list, and I write on all the people in my life that I need to pray for and all the prayer requests I have that are outside of the church, and I write that down, and then I go through the entire list every single day, and I walk through every one of them. And usually it goes to stuff like, help me be a, a good human being to my wife. Help me have a calm heart. Help me to love her. Help me to overcome the situation, the things with school. I don't know. What are we going to do in the fall? I, you know, it's feeling a little anxious. I don't know. Should, do we need to have like uh, intervention here with reading, or do, what do we need to do with uh, the kids? Are we, what are we doing? And then I'll kind of bring that all up, and the Lord just is, hears it all because I have those requests. I'm letting them be made known to God, not like he doesn't already know but it sure benefits me when I tell him because that's when the peace of God comes. I feel like uh, a lot of us are like this. Um, my son got into a, a, in trouble at school. It was like the first time he ever got like written up or whatever. And it was kind of, you know, it's kind of a cool one. He, he, he and his friends were in the cafeteria and they were playing the, you know, the punch game. You know, you, you punch a kid and uh, you see how much, how big of a punch you can take. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, all right, all right, do me, do me. Uh, oh, man, that hurt. All right. And then uh, what can happen is that um, then, you know, everyone, the, the adults in the room get nervous because they see kids punching each other. And so then Austin got taken, you know, he got in trouble, written up, all that. And then uh, he came home and he obviously had to tell Adrian, you know, they were some notified by the uh, school. And then he goes, don't tell daddy. And I'm like, I got with, I'm like, why didn't you want me to know? I was like, I thought you'd be mad. Well, I'm going to know. I'm for you. And I want to walk with you through every ounce of that. I, I think there's a lot of us, it's, we've taken that mentality of daddy might be mad that we got in trouble. 
And so, and maybe it's we don't want to go face God and the insecurities come out of why we're bringing our request to him. I'm afraid if I don't get this, then this won't happen and I won't be able to get to do that. And then you're inevitably going to hear, is that the most important thing? I think this is where we, we need to just unload that anxiety at the Lord, upon the Lord, and just take our request to God and then thank him that he hears us and we spend time with him. And so, okay, now then the question then becomes, what do we do after we've shared with God our struggle? Um, do we just unload the anxiety and then namaste? Child's pose, everybody. No, I, I don't think that there's this reality that we need to kind of go to this place where we're emptying our mind. No, no, we need to fill it. And that's exactly what Paul is going to teach us here on how to fill our mind. Watch. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he's going to say this, which is sort of a strange line, until you understand. Remember, he's in prison. They can't see him. He's in Rome. They're in Greece. What, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What, what, what did they learn and receive and heard and seen? It's not just this letter. Do you remember Paul when he was in Philippi? He shows up there. There's this demon-possessed girl, and she's like, hey, everybody, these are the service of the Most High God. And she puts that on repeat. And after the first couple times, it's kind of cool and fun. And then every time you go anywhere, you've got like an announcement and you're like, shut up. And eventually Paul goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. The demon leaves. The whole city gets in an uproar and they're riding and they want to kill Paul and they put Paul in jail. And then the Philippian jailer is, you know, puts him in stocks so he's got their, their feet and ankles. All of a sudden, they are singing songs to Jesus in the prison around midnight as they're singing the songs. That's when the earthquake comes, gets him out of prison. He doesn't, uh, then the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself. He's like, don't harm yourself. We're all here. What you've seen, what you learned, what you received is that there's this power above circumstance that's so unbelievably incredible that the Lord is here and he's coming to make this world right. Let's act like we're from that world. So in other words, the peace of God is the result of right thinking, but my peace of pie is simply follow my feelings. And listen, I, I'm pray, when I pray through my anxieties, kind of at the end of my prayer list, I get to the part where, because um, I feel like what happens if I start with like adoring God and worshiping Him, I always think about all the stuff, that I'm, uh, and then I feel guilty that I brought all my stuff for. I don't know if you guys have ever done the Acts model of prayer, uh, where you know, adore, confess, thank God, and then ask God for stuff, thank, supplication. And I think that's a fine model, by the way. But what happens for me is inevitably all the stuff I want to talk to God about comes out, because I let those requests be made known, I start, I start there. And then I go into my right thinking, God, you're good. You are in control. You are in control of the coronavirus. That even though I don't fully understand the, the depth and the breadth and why a global pandemic is necessary, you do and you understand it, and I will trust you. I'll trust you. 
And then I'll thank him for what he has done for me. And then I'll start to realize that even in the coronavirus, that my family's gotten to be a lot closer. And we've gotten to experience, I've gotten to educate our children at home, which is a sort of a weird thing. And they're talking about a hybrid model of school where I get more time with our kids. Isn't that an awesome thing? Now, on the, on the counterbalance that, it's a lot of misery out there. And that means people are coming. This is like inbound, inbound marketing. Is that what it's called? When people come to you? And they're like, I've got a problem. I'm anxious. And I go, guess what I do anxious? Let's go to the Lord. And I've, listen, I've told you, like, they don't stop coming. It's not like it was like a month-long thing that people are coming that I've never met before. They're coming online. Click on the, the thing. Come and meet me. And I love this. Go to the Set More calendar. I would love to meet with you. And they meet me, and we talk about life, and we pray, and people receive Christ, or they get encouragement, and then they say, I want to be a part of a church family. How do I do that in a world where we can't meet? I say, come on, we do this. God has like taken the church um, from a building, and I'm so grateful for this. This is probably one of the greatest things. He's taken the church from a building. When people think of church, you can't think of building anymore. You think of people. And listen, listen, there are things like, you know, when it comes to praying, there's stuff that I, don't, I wrestle with. And I'll be like, God, mass this week? No mass. Is it mass or no mass? And I'm, I'm wrestling and I'm praying. And then um, I remind myself that God is in control. That what he does, and I need his wisdom. And James 1 5 comes, you know, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generous to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And then that reminds me of the greater context of that verse, which is consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. But if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. For you doubts like a wave of the sea blown, tossed by the wind. That man should not think you receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, stable in all he does. And then, then, so I'm bringing that to the Lord. And then, you know, he brings back to me, he gives me a, a word. And the word has nothing to do with masks or no masks. It's that, in that, I don't know if you guys experience, like, God, I, here's my specific problem. And then he brings to me two scriptures, Matthew 3, 17, which is uh, where Jesus is getting baptized. And the father says uh, for all to hear, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. In other words, he's saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're mine. And then I connect that to John 17, 17 23, which is this, where Jesus says, I pray that you would love them equal to even as the Father has loved me. And all of a sudden, I can hear the Father saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. And you're mine. Now, what about the man? I love you. And I'm proud of you. And you're mine. That's what you need to know. That's what we agree in the Lord on. That's what's greater than our circumstance. That's the significance we've been all been leaning in for because everybody here is just saying, if I just get this, I'll finally have a ride. My legacy is secure. No, 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 I love you. You're loved by the greatest being in the universe. All the piddlings on the planet don't measure up to our God of the universe. And all that stress and all that fear and all that like, but you don't, no, no, no. I love you. I'm proud of you and you're mine. 
I've got the whole world in my hands. I've got your church in my hands. I've got the entire neighborhood, the entire city, the entire world in my hands. No one, no one is outside of my power and out of my control. Even the coronavirus is within his control. And then all of a sudden, I get great peace because I know my God is for me and he is at so the question then I want you to sort of wrestle with is what guards your heart? Or maybe a better one would be who guards your heart? Who guards your heart when, when you are wrestling with a world that is sort of messed up and mangled? What guards or who guards your heart? And one of the ways that we uh, remember who guards our heart is we do communion. And so if you are a communion people and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to just walk you through this. If you're not a Christian, this is only something Christians do, but... If you decide today that Jesus is your Savior, then join us in some communion. See, on the night before Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, okay? Do this in remembrance of me. Take of the body. Take your soul feeds on Jesus like your stomach feeds on this bread. And then that same night, uh, before Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. That's powerful. And everybody on the planet needs to be, remem- be reminded that your sin, the greatest need that you have, isn't um, a job. It isn't a spouse. It isn't a child. It isn't anything other than the Lord. That's your greatest need. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will never be alone. And we sing the song because of it. As we're reminded that he took our sin on that cross. So what I want to do before you guys jump into communion, hopefully you guys haven't taken it yet. Sinners. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Before we get into communion, um, I want us to take a moment to reflect. If there's anything we need to repent of, there's an argument. There's some conflict that you need to make right. I want you to go before the Lord and repent and say, God, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to go and make straight a way that I'm going to learn to agree in the Lord with my spouse or with that person or maybe that was that random person on social media you hammered. And maybe that's where God is working on you. Maybe it's you need to repent of your looking to control your own circumstance, like you have all the answers. Or maybe it's the way your thinking has gone into despair as opposed to hope. And we would trust our God. So let's take a moment as we pray and seek God for time to confess and repent. Father, you're good. We need you and we desperately are seeking you. And God, as we take this moment, Lord, I'm praying that somebody who doesn't know you at all would look up to you and say, Jesus, you're my Savior. Maybe for the first time. They'd say, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I've, I've tried to control and all my anxiety is living me and driven me to a place of deeper need for you. Please help me, God. Lord, would you work in the lives of people who are in desperate need to hear a word from you. And you would come from heaven and give them that peace that surpasses all understanding.
Jesus, I pray for those who have been walking with you for a while. And they've gotten tired. They've gotten tired. They, they've grown weary of waiting. And they have made their day about being busy. And so, God, I pray that they would make an appointment with you right now and say, God, I'm not going to break it. Come hell or high water, I'm going to meet with you because you're the only one that matters. And all the stress and the strain and the worry, you promise me that you take care of it. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take you at your word. That the most important thing I could ever have is you. Lord, we love you. And I'm praying just as we take a moment, a minute, just to confess that before we take communion together. Lord, you just press on our hearts to your love. In Jesus' name we pray.